welcome to Auric Digital's How to Make a Video Game Podcast. Here, you'll be entertained, informed, and enlightened by the many goings-on within the studio as we introduce you to our projects, our colleagues, and give you a little insight into how we operate. Thanks for listening in. We hope you enjoy today's episode. So, Matt, can you hear the thunder in the distance? I can, and I don't like it. Yeah, those crickets, mm-hmm. the eerie silence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why have you brought me to this campfire? It's unnerving, isn't it? Do you feel afraid? I feel strangely, I feel strangely okay with this at the moment, but I know that by the end of the, this episode, I shall not be. No, exactly. Well, we brought you here today to talk about uh, fear in video games. So it's under chill. Cold sweats. Cold sweats. Uh, so today, I thought I'd be a bit brave and a little bit more freeform uh, with the psychology episodes. We've kind of done one every season so far now. Um, kind of wanted to speak to what the essence of this episode is about, which is the psychology of fear within video games. Me, the, the resident neuroscientist, always wants to do an episode on the brain and video gaming and the intersection between the two, because, I don't know, it's what makes me happy, I guess. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't want to overly script this either because there's so much to say. And I think if we overly script this, then, you know, it's it's not going to really dig down to what it is that, that gets to us specifically in, in terms of fear. So the American Psychological Association, or the APA, defined fear as a basic intense emotion aroused by the detection of imminent threat involving an immediate alarm reaction that mobilizes the organism by triggering a set of physiological changes. Okay. Okay. So we've got a few parts here. There's a threat, there's an immediate reaction, and there's physiological changes. It's kind of like three steps to it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess the first bit to tackle would be uh, the physiological level. Mm-hmm. If we dive straight in, you ready to go? Let's go. Have you ever heard of the amygdala before? I've heard of this thing. We all have one, right? We all have. Well, I would hope most of us have an amygdala in our brains. It's a little walnut that kind of li- like lives in the temporal lobe, which is like where your ears are, um, but inside a little bit. It's like right in the middle of our brains. Um, this is interesting in neuroscience because it's really hard to analyse the inside of our brains, like what is actually in the core of it because of just where all the sensors can actually get to. The further you dig in, the harder it is to detect any signals or activity or anything like that. So the amygdala has always been like quite an under-researched area. Um, but its its temporary thing is, its primary thing, sorry, um, is it's critical in emotional regulation, quite simply. Uh, it mediates external stimulus so anything that comes from the outside world uh, whether that's conditioned or not so whether it's something we've come across or not uh, and it outputs commands to the different areas in our brain like the brainstem or the pituitary gland um, and it kind of makes this decision of are we afraid if yes then you know let's make a lot of cortisol let's make a lot of these stress chemicals let's make a lot of this fear response going on mm. in our body let's start those 
heart palpitations, that sweat, that it's called the, uh, the sympathetic nervous system. It engages, our breathing becomes short. Um, we start like, you know, really, really getting that intense fear or moment or being afraid. Have you ever felt like that before, Matt? Uh, many times, many yeah, times. Yeah. Many times, like just before <laughs> you're about to hop onto a roller coaster at a theme park or just before you're about to record a podcast episode. <laughs> um, you start getting, you know, a little bit worried. Um, and I think this is a really interesting thing for us to talk about because it's not only related to actual fearful instances or something to be afraid of it's also like anyone with a lot of mental health disorders so anxiety or ptsd um, they're known for evoking the fear responses in us so that's the fight flight fear or fawn responses that we do it's where the body shuts down and it doesn't know what to do and this is because the high level of cortisol that's just coursing through our body which encourages a lot of adrenaline as well um so it's cortisol and adrenaline together are kind of like this miasma of just energy and fear and stress and like you're on high alert you're ready to pounce at a minute's notice mm -hmm. um I mean, all, all of these things, the way you described it just then, it's like, I can't think of a better mechanic for a video game to manipulate and just take all of those things and spread them out on a table and think, right, where can we make a game of all these reactions and emotions? Like, it's almost, it, it's just game dev fodder right there. Yeah, 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 it really is. And I think that's what is cool in gaming because we it's why games are so successful, in my opinion, is because they they use this primary emotional response of fear. Um, and that's not just, you know, in horror games. It's also in, like, a first-person shooter. If you feel like you're about to lose a game or you're worried about winning, you, you get the similar fear responses. You mm. get that adrenaline rush and that kick that mm. gets you going in your body. It's why you want to come back to it over and over and over again. It's mm. why you continue to persist and, and overcome those fears and overcome that fear of just, I don't know, just just not being afraid to, to lose or to, you know, give it a go and fail. Mm. Um, and I, I, I'd imagine, well, I don't imagine, it's, it's the truth. It's like, it's, this is not strictly down to just horror games, of course. You know, horror games will exacerbate and amplify the whole thing. That's the whole point. But you take something as, as oh man, like if you take something as simple as the original Sonic the Hedgehog, the drowning music. Mm. I mean, that is one of the most stressful things I can remember as a kid, to be honest. Life was pretty simple back in the sort of late 80s, early 90s. But playing Sonic the Hedgehog, yep. whoa. <laughs> just, that was a bad time. That is, and it's fearful because we all have that fear of, you know, of the fear of drowning, for example, is just horrific. Nobody wants to experience that. And you place that on a, a you know, a cute little blue hedgehog and it's horrible. You know, it just brings in all of those things you just described. It's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really glad that you brought that up because music is fundamentally one of the primary things that's used in video games to evoke that here like that fear response in us so it's the you know imagine like the the sharp violins or the the jump scare bashes or clashes or crashes that happen in a game you know that kind of thing i'm not gonna you know try and imitate them for you here <laughs> but it's you know when sonic is drowning that's really upsetting you don't want him to drown mm. it, it makes you want to work harder or persist harder so that kind of brings me on to something that's interesting which is this idea of the yerkes dodson law okay 
I'm not going to pretend that I even know what that is, but please enlighten me. Uh, anyone who did psychology at A-level at school might be familiar with this. Uh, it's used a lot in eyewitness testimonies as kind of like a psychological grounding for things, um, but it is relevant in fear too. So the Yerkes-Dodson law basically puts against arousal to something versus your performance. And it's like a bell curve. So if you're not very interested or aroused by a response, so say if something's not that scary, you're not phased, doesn't, you know, water off a duck's back, um, your performance in that situation is going to be low because your attention is low, you don't really care, you're not invested in the situation. Um, if you are kind of like a mid-level amount of arouse, so you're like pretty like, oh crap, I'm scared, I'm worried, my adrenaline's going, my heart's pumping, like I'm paying attention and I'm afraid for what's happening right now. So, you know, you're in the middle of playing a game and you've got, you're like on a stealth section. Hmm. You've been in this stealth section for the last 15 minutes, you've almost finished the mission, but you've just got this last little bit that you've got to get through. Your, your arousal is at an all-time, like, peak point that it needs to be at for your performance to be its best. And then, on the downside of the curve, on the other side, is you're too aroused, you're over, over aware, you're too scared. So, this is where you might be in a situation where you, you fumble, you fumble something, you, you let it get to your head, you know. Um, I've talked about Hollow Knight endlessly on this podcast and I will forever <laughs> and continue to do so. But there's, without going to spoilers, there's uh, an aspect of the game where you have to do like a boss rush from start to finish. It's about 46 or bosses or something in a row, something like that. And I can do each of those bosses on their own, no problem. When it comes to doing the rush itself... And I get to that 46th boss, I always fumble it at the end because I'm not only am I like, I've gone past the point of peak performance because I'm too invested, I'm too afraid because it's all it's all coming to this point, this crux point, and I'm scared that I'm going to lose it. Uh, and I fumble it every single time and it's infuriating and I know it's just like me getting in my own head, basically. So that's what the Yerkes-Dodson law is, is basically how scared we are offsetting how well we perform in a game so this is why it's kind of actually a good thing that games scare us a bit like we have something vested interested in this we want to be able to feel like we're attached and that we care enough and that we're paying attention to actually do well in the game mm, mm. um yeah what uh, all horror games kind of do yeah I mean, without that tether, without that emotional tether and the vehicle that's driving the two things together, like, the game is kind of broken. You, you need something to just draw you in. Otherwise, what's the point of all that time and interaction with the thing? You know, you need that, that emotional bond to what is happening. And it, and it really doesn't matter whether it's a horror game, sports game, anything that just kind of keeps that heart just ticking a little bit quicker than normal because the tension is, you know, is, is really sort of uh, uh, palpable, you know. Um, it's so powerful, really powerful. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Like you make a really good point. And I just thought, you know, there's a lot of different aspects to fear and games that we could cover. Um, obviously, running through some horror games that have scared us in the past, I mm. thought that would be a really nice thing for us to do. So, uh, just before we start recording, we we're actually talking about Slender Man mm. briefly. Uh, you know those cold sweats we mentioned? Getting them now. Yep. Hated yeah. that game. And and it was like the 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 
the unknown presence of just and when you'd see him off in in the corner of the screen just this tiny little flash yeah. in the corner for anyone who doesn't know slender man was this was it a flash game i think it was a flash game was it uh, yeah i don't think it was i don't think it was pushed with a, a big release or anything it just seemed to pop up out of nowhere yeah it was it was just like this web player game that you could play that had a tall white figure dressed in like a black suit he was all unmarked, no facial structures. Mm-hmm. Long limbs. Long limbs, very long. <laughs> oh. And you were just in this really, really dark woods, abandoned building kind of setting, and just you'd be walking around. The only purpose of the game was to walk around. There might be like a couple of things you could pick up here or there, but he was just stalking you, I guess, for mm. want of a better word, and mm. you never knew where he was. You couldn't hear anything. Occasionally, you might see him off in the distance, and then at any unknown point, he would just come up behind you and take your life, and mm. you were like, excuse me? It was just completely unknown, like the fear of the unknown, not knowing when he was going to turn up, when he was going to hurt you. You had no control in the situation. And the isolation. I mean, the setting, the isolation. You're in this deep dark woods it's, I mean we started the episode we, you know we are still here we're still at the campfire you know there's thunder um, but it's, it's true because it, it's just playing on things that make us fearful from the get go you know if you are alone at night in the woods by yourself you know it's it's very frightening and, and especially because when there's when there's no um, uh, unnatural light there's, there's no light pollution and it's really pitch black I mean, that's actually a bit of an, an alien thing. And, and that's a good point. We'll get on to alien, alien isolation shortly. Um, but it's like, we're quite, we're not really used to what actual darkness sort of feels and looks like because we're so used to having the night lights in our faces and that. But if you go to somewhere really in the sticks at nighttime, it's really dark, really, really dark. And when you experience that, it's like, oh, wow, wasn't aware of this. You combine that with a video game idea, slam dunk absolute slam dunk but talking about slender man i mean you're right it's the isolation and also from an audio point of view it's very minimal um there are some very good jump scares in there um but that's not the part that gets me personally the bit that gets me firstly is just the ambience you start off you've got the crunching of leaves below your feet you know just the the, the crickets a bit of wind and the rustling of the, the trees and that but it's not until uh that first interaction and when i say interaction i can't remember what you do but you hear like a it's really subtle like a low piano or something really subtle and when that happens you'll be walking around like i'll pick this up pick this up and you stop you stop because it's like what was that and as you said then the stalking has now started something is out there and it's getting closer terrifying (laughs) and it's so simple as well in its design it's such a simple premise and yet it's so effective because mm-hmm. uh, it just really strikes the core of what terrifies us is that we have no idea what is going to happen next. Mm. We have no control over what is going to happen to us. Um, and the claustrophobia that's attached to that because you can feel that map just getting smaller mm-hmm. and smaller mm. to a point where it's like it's suffocating, you know, it's horrible. Yeah. Actually horrible. And that, and that darkness as well that's just kind of caving in on you it's awful mm. um and then i guess as well there's alien isolation as well to yeah. move over to you just mentioned briefly and i want to yeah i want to take a crack at that one because well, what a game you sh- you absolutely should now alien isolation is a funny one i mean it, it's an absolute marvel um with game development and, and horror there's no denying that i actually haven't played much of it mm. and the reason i haven't is because it scares the hell out of me I've, mm. i think i've probably played 
probably no more than three or so hours. I've played to one or two confrontations or, or um, encounters with the alien and I haven't gone back to it. Mm. I haven't gone back to it. Mm. It's scary. I don't want to play it. I, when I was a kid, uh, you know, I was quite open to um, horror games, specifically like your Resident Evils and, and uh, Silent Hill, the mm. early ones, because they were very frightening. But I guess maybe I was younger, more naive. I was more a bit more daring. Mm. Um Whereas now, as a as a full grown adult, it's like I, I'm not sure I want to put myself through that. I think I'd rather play Super Mario Kart, <laughs> and even that is pretty stressful at times. But um, but Alien Isolation, for one, it's again, it's the not knowing. It's what you don't see. The, the sound design, again, from an audio point of view, is just stellar. So you'll be mm. you know you're creeping through when you pull up your your motion tracker that blurs what you can actually see. So it's playing on that sense as well. And then you might just hear some some big thuds in an air vent. Mm. So you don't even see anything, but it's just playing on all the senses. You know an alien's out there. You don't know where it is, but you know it's stalking you. Mm. And you know it's going to show itself at some point. And it's just what you don't see. It's the Jaws effect, isn't it? The longer you don't see something and the more you can kind of ramp up that peak when it happens, it happens. And the the delivery of that is really, really... Well, it's golden. Mm. It's absolutely golden. So effective. And the, the AI on the Alien as well, I think that's what really scares me on that game. And it's probably why I haven't actually played it. I've watched people do playthroughs of it, mm. but I haven't played it through myself because it's much like you. I was a lot more daring when I was younger and I loved playing horror games because I thought I was all cool and I was <laughs> like, oh, cool. Uh, nowadays, no, 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 no. No, give me the really cute, tiny, cozy game that I can play on the corner of the sofa. Thank yeah. you very much yeah um but the the alien ai is so clever and you know that it's going to find you no matter what there's no scripting to it it's completely unpredictable you can do the same kind of like length of game or section of the game over and over again but it will never be the same mm. twice and when you know that alien is hunting you and you've got to like run away into like a locker or something mm. you can see it you can peek through mm. you can see it like going around the room trying to sniff you out and like you're, you're holding your breath. Yeah. You are in in real life. You're holding your breath, and you're not making a sound. Yeah. You feel like you are just completely immersed in that situation. Yeah. Um, and, and also, you know that as uh, as far as the character design uh, goes, is you know you are massively underpowered mm -hmm. compared to this thing. It can kill you instantly. Mm. Um, it's faster than you. It's stronger than you. It's more aggressive than you. It's smarter than you. Mm. And all of those things. That plays on you because you're like, well, I know that I'm not playing a space marine. I'm not geared out with all the latest tech and pulse rifles and stuff. This thing, if it sees me, I'm going to be dead. Mm -hmm. So it's as you said then, it's about hiding under desks, hiding in closets and, and lockers and stuff. And I think at some point, you know, even the weapons you do get, I think they're more of a deterrent than they are lethal. You know, it's like, well, I, I, I can give myself a few seconds to get away. So that in itself, it's... It's, it's a playground for using the space, using the environment, and yet the stalking still continues. Mm. So again, that, that tension is so thick, so thick throughout the whole thing. It really is. And I just think it's interesting as well, the two games that we've kind of picked up on is so far that have come to our minds are the ones that are kind of like of the unknown, the uncontrollable, we feel quite powerless. But they're not all that comes as like a genre of the horror genre and games that scare people. You've also got horror games where it's like the gore aspect is the scary bit. Mm. Like they're visceral. Think of all the like the Resident Evil games or 
oh, The Evil Within. I played The Evil Within when I was younger. It was a very good game. Uh, it's disgusting. It is absolutely disgusting, the kind of stuff. I'm not going to list it here because, geez, it's a lot. But, like, it really unnerved me, some of the aspects. But others of it, absolutely fine, completely unperturbed because for some reason, whatever it was, didn't speak to me as something that I was scared of or, like, you know, the... the the thought of human viscera I was like no that's fine that doesn't bother me but you know something like being like being like claustrophobic and trapped in a dark room that's mm. terrifying to yeah. me and it just really speaks to how fear as much as it is predictable as much as psychology or neuroscience or whatever can try and wrap it up into this neat little bundle or something we understand mm. we just don't it's something that is unique for different people, different individuals with different life experiences. Like we said earlier, like as you've grown older, you've become more averse to playing those horror games mm. or the, you know, those scary games because you've, you've lived through that. You don't want to do that anymore. You don't want to experience that. Like life throws enough adrenaline at it, at you as it is. It throws enough scary things at you as it is. You don't need to add more into the mixture, <laughs> you know? Just actively go out looking for it, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, when you're at home and you're looking to unwind, actually what you want is that solace and that comfort of a game that isn't going to terrify you. But on the flip side, there are many people who still want to do that and still enjoy that because that's what they want to seek out. They want that mm. adrenaline rush. They want that feeling of like... When you've just been on a roller coaster and you've just conquered it and you've gotten off like stealth at Thorpe Park or something and you've just been rocketed up several hundred feet into the air at eight miles an hour and you get off and you just feel like you're a god. You feel like you could take on <laughs> anything. The amount of power that you feel like afterwards and because you just get a real sense of achievement and pride as well for like when you're afraid of something and then you go on and do it and then you conquer it and yeah, you come out yeah. the other side. Like, I feel really proud of myself yeah. if I ever do anything that I'm scared of. Like, mm. if I was playing a game that scared me, like Five Nights at Freddy's, I'm terrified yeah. of Five Nights at Freddy's. I was going to bring this one up, yeah. Oh, I hate it so much. Um, much like Slenderman, I, I wouldn't put it exactly in the same bracket as that, but I, pl I played uh, from a, a buddy of mine, um, didn't even tell me what it was, just said, here, play this. Mm. And I was like, okay, what's this? What is this nonsense? I'll play this thing. But it's, I've never played a game where the panic, I could, like if there was a dial for panic, I could visualise it. I can see it just getting cranked up constantly. Because of course it starts off slow. You've got a lot of freedom just to look around the cameras. Like, yeah, okay, fine, fine, fine. And much like Slenderman, it's not until you see something move or actually you don't see it move. That's the thing. But something has happened in camera feed four what the hell and so you fixate on that and then i mean i'm getting goosebumps now just thinking about it and even just now we're, we're describing it and I, I can feel the panic just setting in where you're looking from from one feed to the next you're managing the doors and the panic is getting more and more intense and you're flipping really really quickly between them and eventually one of them's right up at the camera and it's just Oh, it's horrible. I'm sweating right now. I'm clammy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, oh, but, but yeah, what a great that's game. what it is. It's what a such, great game. Such a good game. And I'm like, one of my proudest things is actually going back and playing it because I got completely put off it the first time I played it because I was like, this is absolutely terrifying. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, but I was really proud of myself for going back to it and actually playing through a fair bit of it. I don't think I finished it, but... I didn't stop playing it because I was too scared to play it anymore. Mm. I think I just fell off it as a game mm. completely anyway. Mm. Um, but I was really proud of myself for actually coming back to that. And that 
is what kept me going for it. It was like, yeah, I'm big, I'm brave, I'm strong. <laughs> I can face the terrifying automatron animals <laughs> at a kid's party. Yep, this is absolutely fine. Oh my gosh. I mean, Five Nights is a really good um, example because it's it's got the somewhat, or at least they used to be very friendly looking animatronics, yeah. right? You've, we've all been to those kind of Chuck E. Cheese places or the, the kids uh, or the birthday parties as a child. I mean, as a dad now, my son turns five soon. We're doing exactly that. Mm -hmm. So And they've got all these things there and it's like, oh my goodness. Um, but Five Nights at Freddy's is, is slightly different in that it, it 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 cranks up fun as much as it does panic. Like mm. Slender Man, I don't think I'm ever going to go back to that. It's unsettling because it feels very isolating and it is fun, but it's definitely, it's tension first, fun somewhere down the, the bottom, depending on how you define fun for you. Five Nights though, it's it's, it seems more interactive. There's more to do. Um, you're not shrouded in darkness. You're not in the wilderness or anything. Yes, okay, you're alone at night in a in a you know um, somewhat dishevelled looking uh, kids party place or whatever or restaurant, um, and you are isolated because you're the only person there. But there's some there's a cuteness about it, and that I think is what lends it a constant tether to everybody because mm. it seems inviting, but mm. it's just as tense as any horror game you can play. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really clever game design. And I really love that you've brought that up, the cuteness of it. And I think maybe that's why it can be quite so disturbing. It's like a chorophobia, which is the fear of clowns. It's that fear of something that's attributed to something childlike or something from when you are a kid. Children in a, from a space and time when you were young and yeah. it was safe... It warps and now the innocence, it's not. doesn't it? It does warp the innocence, exactly. That's yeah. exactly what it does. It's now these lovely, friendly animal animatronics are now terrifying and going to kill you. And that <laughs> disturbs you. Um, <laughs> it just popped in my head, but there was a movie released recently. There was a horror slasher movie of Winnie the Pooh. Oh, yeah. And it's yeah. all about that. <laughs> yeah, the license now is public domain or something. And mm -hmm. um, I'm pretty sure there's even like an Alice in Wonderland horror movie coming out or something. So it's when you take something as beloved as that and then you just kind of flip it on its backside and make something entirely different, you get a very strange cocktail of things right there. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, sorry, digress. Five Nights, stellar game. Play it if you've not played it, anyone who's listening, my God. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and for anyone listening at home, we'll put in a nice little link to lots of different scary games that Matt and I have found in the past. Mm. Um, just, just different games that have taken us through various bits of fear and bravery and pride and all those bits and pieces but you know I feel like we should wrap up at this point I feel like we're coming to an end a nice I feel as though we should but of, of all the episodes we've done now I, I feel like I don't want to I can't I I'm so I'm, yeah I'm so kind of so so intrigued by this topic and um we've we've never covered anything related to horror really so I, I feel as though this should be like some kind of sub-series we should touch on horror and fear mm. more of course we have psych the psychology is aspect of that is is the sub-series i guess but like yeah horror is an interesting one i think you can just talk about it forever and we've like barely mentioned the the the, the big guns like resi and silent hill and all these kind of pioneers back in the day in the 90s and that um yeah we could talk for hours about this stuff, but yes, we, sh we probably should wrap up because I can feel the isolation coming in. I mean, the wind's getting a bit mm. bit more aggressive here and I'm pretty sure, I mean, I don't know about you, Jess, but there's going to be some sort of piano rumble because you always get that in a, in a forest. Oh, there it is. Okay, we, we should, let's pack up stuff. And okay, let's, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. Yeah.
So everyone, we're back at headquarters. We're back at the studio. We're back at the RV. Uh, yeah. We've reached safety. All as well. Well, it feels safe at the moment. I mean, we're, we're still we're we're we've driven a bit. We're a few miles away from the the campfire we were at just now. Still, it's still dark here though, Jess. It's still. I don't like it. No. It doesn't feel right. No. I'm pretty sure I saw some sort of glowing thing that was outside through the window just now. You did lock the door, didn't you, Matt? I think so. I mean, I can't leave the mic now. So, I mean, I hope well, so. hopefully hope, hopefully so. Let's, let's hope so. Let's hope that Matt locked the door. Um, whilst we just kind of like, you know, dwindle off this episode a little bit. So, I guess we talked a lot about different games. We talked about the amygdala, mm-hmm. cortisol other neurosciencey terms that come into that. <laughs> uh, we talked about, you know, how the body goes through this whole physiological response to fear. And, you know, you get amongst other things, you get the shortness of breath and the heart palpitations and the sweat and the clamminess and just the fear and the terror. And also just how actually a little bit of fear is pretty good for hmm. us. It keeps us engaged. It keeps us active. It keeps us focused on fight what we're doing. It's the fight or flight response. It's hmm. what we are evolutionary equipped to do it's what we've been doing since the dawn of humankind is this fight or flight plus freeze and fawn which is a whole other thing to go into but Mm. it's it's been really cool to go into different types of games especially having the conversation about what has scared us in the past and how we're pretty similar actually Matt. i think we're quite similar in the Mm. games that get to us a little bit um but i think we've also kind of realized that the human mind is complex and video games specifically really do capitalize on this this fear of something be it horror be it the 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 fear of of losing a game or you know or sonic drowning or something like that like you've got something to lose there is an emotional investment and that's what we're afraid of is whatever we've invested into the game we're gonna lose it and i think that's what makes video games so successful so psychologically interesting but also just what makes them fantastic design and experiences for us to go through and so unique and it's it's different for every person mm. every every brain is different and that's what we you know the, the things that scare us will be different to every human um mm. It's been a it's been, been a good episode. It's been a great episode. Well, listen. With that said, I'm gonna let's get up and I'm gonna get back in the driver's seat. Okay, let's uh, let's get this thing started. Okay. Oh. Oh. Um. Is, oh. It, the oh. battery seems dead. It's not starting, Jess. Oh. Come on, no, no, no. Come on, try again. Come on, try again. Try again. Come on, try again. Matt. What, what was that, Jess? Matt. Get get my motion tracker. Oh my god, Matt. Go. Go. Oh my god. In the fast-paced realm of the games industry, the best way to keep up to date with everything happening at Oroch Digital is to follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, using the handle at Oroch Digital. And we're on LinkedIn too, as Oroch-Digital-Limited. We also encourage you to sign up to our mailing list to receive regular newsletters that go into more detail about our projects and to join our community Discord, who are the first to hear our updates. You can subscribe to the mailing list and join the Discord on our website, orocdigital.com. And whilst you're on the website, be sure to check out our recruitment page under orocdigital.com forward slash jobs, where we post all employment opportunities. 
Links to all these socials and more are in the episode description. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you in the next one. Thank you.